TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the legendary co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. He is the undisputed king of the Kiwis. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. <laughs> Hello, legend. Mate, you're I'm so, so pumped excited. About this. Oh. I'm so pumped about this. You are I so love excited. getting a little Kiwi accent on the phone. It's great. Yeah, whenever really we have... There's so much wisdom. There is, there is. But whenever we have a New Zealander on the podcast, you are like a kid in a lolly shop. We are doing big, deep and meaningfuls on the podcast today. If you are ready for a deep and meaningful 100 Not Outers, get ready. We're talking intuition, hunches, conflict avoidance, spirituality, epiphanies and more to engage us in this conversation. We are going to shoot over to Singapore to speak with a Kiwi on an Australian-based podcast. Kim Forrester is an award-winning author, educator, and a holistic well-being coach. She combines cutting-edge science with traditional spiritual teachings to inspire soulful living. She's been featured on mariashriver.com, on Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global. Uh, She's been featured on Breakfast TV here in Australia and New Zealand. Her wonderful book, Infinite Mind, which I have been reading, and I got up at 5 o'clock this morning to read a few extra chapters of it, was awarded a silver medal in the 2017 Living Now Book Awards and Kim Forrester has been good enough to join us all the way from Singapore. Kim, welcome to 100 Not Out. Marcus, what an extraordinary introduction. I'm going to buy you and put you in my pocket and you can just introduce me to people like that when I walk around. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So great to have you out here, Kim. It's really good, very exciting. Um, I too have been reading your book and I really love it. I love the way you've written it. Um, I love the words that you use and um, you kind of get drawn into the book and it feels like you're part of the pages, which I really love. So thank you for writing it. It's terrific. Um, Tell us a bit about your story. You had a normal upbringing. Um, You kind of felt within yourself that you wanted to be a psychic, but you struggled a bit. Tell me a bit more about that. Okay. Well, my story is as a, as a young person, I was incredibly uh, aware and sensitive of um, feelings that were going on around me. Now, I wouldn't have called myself psychic then, and I don't call myself psychic now. But what I did have was an awareness of how people were feeling. And I actually became really neurotic as a child because people would come into my space and they'd have a big smile on their face and the words that they were using would be all upbeat and uplifting. And all I could feel was the sense of dread or guilt or shame. And I could never... um, I could never actually equate those two and 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 figure out where that disconnect was coming from. It wasn't until I was 26 and I went to this my first sort of spiritual awareness circle that um, I started because I wanted to be psychic, um, and I I realised after starting that journey that. I had always been aware at an at a, um, unconscious level, at a quantum level, at a cellular level of what was actually truly going on in people's lives and in their minds. So what I was picking up was, was one of a better word, the energy or their vibe that was going on. And I was picking that up intuitively. Um, of course, on the surface, their conscious behavior was, oh, no, I'm fine or whatever. And um, in that sense of disconnect, um, I became really neurotic because I felt like, people were lying to me all the time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But this mm. is the interesting mm. thing. From what I was reading when you were exploring this uh, um, 
question of am I psychic? You know, you tell some stories of like beginning to really practice and where is it you said yeah <laughs> my psychic messages consisted of hunches or ridiculous visions quote unquote i see broccoli i said to a classmate one evening did you have broccoli for dinner i added hopefully so <laughs> which was really <laughs> funny but then i yeah sorry go on <laughs> no no sorry to interrupt but that is it's, it's such a passionate part of, of of me and what i want people to understand is that i went along thinking oh, i'd always been fascinated or curious about this side of of life and um i went along like i say decided that i was going to be psychic what I didn't realize was that I had already to, um, tapped into my natural, because we all have this natural ability, I had already tapped into my natural um, intuitive abilities. It's just that for me, they came through in waves of emotion. I feel what people feel. Yeah. Um, but of course, there's this whole idea of psychics because we we get given stories and we believe them to be true. They become self-evident truths. Um, that a psychic was supposed to have visions. You're supposed to see things in crystal balls or you're supposed to get, you know, psychedelic meditations. So I'm at the spiritual development circle and I'm being asked to give someone a message. Well, so I start searching my mind for a vision. <laughs> in my mind, a vision of broccoli pops up. Um, it took me many, many, many years of development to realize that I can just forget any any vision that pops up. But the moment I'm sitting with someone, if I choose to um, tune in, for want of a better word, if I, if I choose to be aware of what's going in their life, the information is going to come to me personally in the form of an emotion um, um, and or words in my mind. Now, that's not going to be true for you, Damien, or for you, Marcus. You're both... Um, <laughs> Let's get into it. Let's go. Quant <laughs> Let's go. Um, there is a new understanding of what we call psychic ability. There's a new understanding of what that is. Researchers use the word psi, P-S-I, and um, it's actually a, a Greek letter, and it's also a Greek word that means of the soul. It's the root word of psychology and psychiatry. Um, psi is the modern term for what we would call intuition or psychic ability. I prefer to use that word because it is a, it carries with it this new understanding of what this is. At a quantum level, we are all entangled. The cells that make up our body, the particles that make up the cells of our body are, are not static and they're not isolated. They're not separated. They are in constant interaction and constant flux and constant communication with any other particle that they have come into contact with in the course of their billions of years of existence. So our bodies are literally resonating with an awareness of what's happening in particles anywhere else in the universe. So um, when I sit down with a person, all I do is I switch off my conscious mind and I become aware of what my body is telling me. But Everybody, that information that's coming through is always there. It's always in your unconscious mind. And your unconscious mind carries about 99.98% of all your thoughts. So um, the information is always there. What happens if you want to tap into it is that you then ask your mind to start translating that information into language. But for me, the information comes into language and into a form that I can understand through my emotions and sometimes through words in my in my head. For some people, it comes as bright psychedelic visions. For some people, it just becomes it comes through as a knowing, yeah. like a like a concept they've always known all along. 
we we're all psychic we're all interconnected to the universe around us um we're all capable of knowing um things through time and through space the trick is just to switch off our conscious mind and start listening to uh that psi information um in the language that our minds and our bodies are choosing to deliver it to us in. This is the best. I love this stuff. Okay, so let's see (laughs) if we can just pull a bit out of all of the gold that you just shared. So here's the big thing. You you spoke about the power of the unconscious. Now, my my general view is, and you talk about this in the book, is that we need to neutralize or ignore or weaken the left brain logical side in order to open up our, our creative, non-logical right brain, which for one of a better, t- well, for me anyway, this is just me, this is just me, a lot of the unconscious, the cool stuff lives on that side. But if we're watching TV, Netflix and chill, Facebook, Instagram, comparing ourselves to everyone else and all of the rest of it, there is no environment, no opportunity for all of that wisdom to, um, uh, to appear. You share a number of stories in your book, Infinite Mind, to demonstrate this, one of them being the story of Conrad Hilton, uh, who when he went to buy his very first uh, big hotel, the Stevens Hotel in Chicago, 3,000 people and all the rest of it, he put in an offer, uh, which was, he put in an offer for it, which he, he, had a, an in, he had a hunch that the offer he put in was too low. And he listened to that hunch in a, in a moment of silence and quiet. And I think in the chapter you, you refer to the fact that he, he often had, let's just call it quiet time with God, just to see if there were answers that would come up. But let's just call it like quiet time, phones off, TVs off, no distractions to really hear what his soul had to say. And then essentially he decided to change his offer and he won the right to buy what became the Hilton by only $200. His offer was only $200 better than the next best and that was all because he listened to the hunch. But from what I hear you say, we need to give ourselves the opportunity for those hunches to appear and most people in society have crowded their lives with uh, left brain and dampening media that don't allow the big hunches to appear. We have um, made our logical, rational brain let's call them left brain processes. We've made our left brain king. We've absolutely um, decided as a society that the only way, the best way to make a decision is to, well, what are you told? Oh, write down the pros and cons. You're told to analyze. You're told to think your way to a decision. Now, what you're doing when you think your way to a decision is you're actually just putting um, a vinyl, an old vinyl record with all your old beliefs and everything that Auntie Maggie said to you when you were three years old and, and all the things that you thought about yourself when you were 18 months old. You put that vinyl record on a plane and you put the stylus down and you press play. That's what happens when you think your way to a decision. You're actually just replaying everything that's happened in your past and every self-fulfilling prophecy that you want to actually create for yourself. When you go into that quiet space, and it doesn't matter how you create it, meditation, drumming, you know, African drumming and and Native American drumming um, puts us in that space. For Conrad Hilton, it was prayer. So he would ask God and then he, in his belief, um, would sit knowing that God, and I'm using inverted commas there, but God for him would deliver him the answer. What he was actually doing was just shutting down his left brain. 
he was just saying, you know what, little chitter chatter voice, you can just go and sit over there for 10 minutes and I'm going to sit in space. I'm going to sit in silence. When that happens, that language that I was talking to you about, when that happens, um, the the psi information, the psychic information that is already there sitting in your unconscious can actually finally find a space to pop through and say hi um, and, and, and give you the message. For, um, for Conrad Hilton, it would come in a form of a, a thought or, or a voice and for him, that was the voice of God. Um, it doesn't matter how you create it, but it's about, it's about stepping out of this um, habit of thinking your way through life and actually just allowing your knowing, your awareness to have a little bit of space to come and, and speak to you. I love it. I love it, Kim. Uh, you know, uh, there's been times in my life and I know there'll be times in all of our listeners' lives where they felt like they're um, in the zone, I suppose you could say, where they just made decisions uh, and they felt that it was the right decision and they went with it and they became less cerebral about it. But it feels, though, that at some point in people's lives, and even in my life too, you get to a point where you kind of go, oh, am I making the right decision? And instead of being silent on it, you start to think your way through those decisions. And I love the analogy where you just continue to replay all of the old stuff, the stuff you've already learned because you're you know, replaying the vinyl. And although that sounds good and it brings back memories and a lot of those memories are great and you're fond of the sound and all those sorts of things, it doesn't necessarily prepare you into the future. Is there a time or do you feel that there's a level of confidence that gets broken? Is there a time in people's lives, a, a moment where people start to lose touch with their intuition, where they start to disengage from from that part of the brain that would help them continue to propel like a rocket ship? Yes, and it happens very early on in life. Um, so there's a there's an interesting story that gets told as part of the of the um, folklore of psychic ability and that is that people will say oh I've been bestowed with the gift um, and I come from seven generations of psychics um, we have to we have to disentangle that story and have a look at it in a different way now because now we now understand that we we actually all have the ability it's a natural part of being a, a part of this universe I was gonna say is that when you run is that when you turn around and run away <laughs> <laughs> no, it's when I get on my soapbox and I start saying that. <laughs> um, what happens, my children are incredibly intuitive. My children, uh, you know, will walk into my, my son who's living in Sydney at the moment. He's 18. He's, he went into a particular situation and said, Mum, I felt danger. And he left immediately. He went, I didn't like that area there. I knew something was wrong. Um, they're not they haven't inherited a psychic gift from me. What has happened is that their natural ability, every child comes into this world willing and ready to experience all of the universe as it presents itself. Um, a, a child up until the age of nine months to 12 months can actually discern every sound from every language on earth. So they can discern all the different clicks of the of the African languages. They all the different strange sounds that the Welsh people make. Our beloved Welsh friends. Um, they have all sorts of different sounds. Now we as adults, if we don't know that language, we've lost the ability to discern those sounds. Young children can hear the difference in all of them. That's an analogy because the children also come into this world. They're born into this world being incredibly aware and accepting of the intuitive, the psychic information that they're picking up. They haven't judged it as being wrong yet. So they just experience it. And that's why a lot of young children will say, oh, I saw granny in the corner or I don't like that particular person or please don't take me to 
a pl- the park because I don't like it there. Now, we as, as parents will tend to go, oh, don't be silly and be nice to that person. Or oh, there's nothing wrong with the park. What are you talking about? But what those children are often expressing is their psychic awareness, their psychic knowing about it. Parents say to them, don't be silly. That's not real. Um, and or they're told to be afraid of it because the parents have been taught to be afraid of it. And so the children start going, oh, every time I express that part of me, every time I express that beautiful intuitive knowing that pops out of me, I get a negative reaction from the people around me. I get disapproval. So I'm going to stop expressing that side of me. I'm going to stop saying when I know that a person is not very nice or I'm going to stop um, um, speaking out loud when I know that there's actually some kind of energetic presence near me. So it kind of gets chipped away. So it's not an immediate cessation or a pause. It just gets chipped away bit by bit, bit by bit, until such a time someone goes, you know what, I'm just going to, you know, they don't consciously say, you know what, I'm just going to check out here. They just kind of go, well, maybe that was wrong and I was, you know, I was reading that or feeling that incorrectly. Mum knows best or dad knows best or teacher knows best and they just leave that part behind. Is that true? Absolutely. We don't – we. We've got it backwards with regards to what we think children are. We think that children are born into this world uh, as an empty slate and that we put data into them. That's our very sort of mechanical view. But what we're now understanding is that children actually come into this world experiencing everything without without limitation and without regulation. They just experience what is in the world. Um, what we do um, with regards regards a whole load of facets in our life, including our psychic ability, is we actually start limiting what we experience. So our our unconscious mind is picking up around 400,000 bits of information every second. Our conscious mind is only capable of um, accessing and analyzing 2,000 bits of information per second. So that's 0.05 of a percent, five one hundredths of a percent. And so we have to decide what we're going to be consciously aware of. So we start limiting what – it's not that we're not experiencing the psychic information. It's that our conscious brain has decided that it doesn't give us positive feedback. It doesn't give us approval. It's not important or it's not pleasant because that's what we get told. And so our conscious brain goes, even if that information pops up, there's a there's a story in my book about a young man who's walking through the streets of Sydney and he's going to take his usual shortcut um, and he gets the sense of dread and guilt. It just absolutely um, overwhelms him, the sense of something is wrong here. Um, however, he ignores it because his conscious brain goes, I can see everything in my environment and there is nothing wrong here. Um, he, his conscious awareness limits limits his experience to what he thinks is actually valuable or important or pleasant or, you know, or, um, he ignores the feeling and he walks into a violent mugging. Um, what I was saying about my children before about how they're highly intuitive, it's because I have not been a parent that says to my children, don't be silly, that doesn't exist or um, try to rationalize their feelings. I've allowed my children to express to me what they know intuitively and therefore they have grown up into adults who know how to express what they know intuitively. Oh, this is incredible. Uh, we could, we could. I've got one more question. I've got 55 questions but I'm only going to give myself time for one more because I want to ask you about conflict avoidance. I want to ask you about people's need to be right um, and how much people struggle with that you know, they don't want to be vulnerable and they always want the last say and they want to be right. Um, we've spoken about intuition. 
I really wanted to ask you about epiphanies, but my final question, and I, I, I recommend everyone read this book, Infinite Mind, and as Damo and I were saying this morning, the beautiful thing about your book, Kim, is that you've written it in story form, but it's about really big, deep and meaningful topics like we're covering on the podcast. So I really highly recommend for people that are, they'd like to just even just dip their toes in the water of this deep and meaningful, read the book, Infinite Mind. Um, one one of the chapters is is the story of a mutual friend of all three of us and, a, and a, almost a resident of 100 on out, Dr. John Demartini. And the topic of that chapter really comes down to determinism and essentially whether we're living a predetermined life where we can't do anything about it, which I suppose Seligman almost terms as learned helplessness, um, or whether we actually do get to write our own script. Now, I'm incredibly biased on this. I'm a massive believer that we write our own script. But there are people listening to this podcast right now that generally feel like there's nothing they can do about their life and their lives are being done to them. What advice would you have for people in that boat right now? People come to me for for intuitive readings, okay? I do this professionally and the first thing I say to them is, hey, all I'm doing here is um, shining a torch down the path that you've chosen to tread. And I'm going to show you based on your your current patterns and the and the behaviors and the decisions that you currently make and your intent that you carry in your unconscious self and the things that are driving your daily decisions. Um, if you continue on that path, this is where you're heading. And I truly believe and I say to all of my clients, if you don't like what you see up there, then I would suggest that you change your intent and you change the way you make your decisions and you change you change your behaviors. Why people feel that they have a predetermined life is because almost all of our life is driven by those unconscious behaviors, that that vinyl record that I spoke about. And if you don't change the way you drive your life, then your life is, of course, going to be predetermined. If you don't change the programming, then you can tell what the program is going to look like from, from start to beginning. You can go in there at any time and you can tweak the program. And you can start having different beliefs about yourself or you can start um, forming different opinions about the way you want to view the world. You can start choosing in different ways rather than analyzing. You can come from a, a deeper, more intuitive place. Making changes like that is going to knock the stylus off the vinyl and all of a sudden you have a whole range of different opportunities that you can actually pursue. Oh, Kim. What a conversation this has been. Cannot thank you enough for giving Unreal. us a wonderful Unreal. highlights reel on, again, what is a real, uh, beautiful, deep and meaningful. And, yeah, congratulations on um, what you've already shared, but I just can't recommend enough that people go and um, and buy the uh, Infinite Mind and, and learn more about you. They can do that at kimforrester.net. Is there any other ways you'd like our listeners to connect with you outside of buying the book and um, connecting with you on your website? The website is fine, absolutely fine. I d- I'm not a big social media person because I truly believe in, in in doing things intuitively and authentically. So if you want to sign up for my newsletter, you'll get emails from me when I feel there's something important to be shared. Um, the same on Twitter and Facebook. I'd love to connect with anyone who feels that they want to learn more about this um, incredible ability that resides within them. Oh, Kim, you've been an absolute joy. Thanks so much for joining us on 100 Not Out. To you too, Damo. Thanks for your wisdom. No doubt you've just loved having another Kiwi on the podcast. Uh, I've to loved f- it. Loved it. <laughs> to yeah. find One out more. One old replay. 
Yeah, it's exactly one to replay over and over, particularly the, the DMs. Uh, to find out more about Damo, go to DamienChristoph.com, myself, MarcusPierce.com.au. If you haven't enrolled for the 2019 100 Not Out Longevity Experience in Ikaria, make sure you find out all about the island where people forget to die over at 100notout.com. A big thanks to our editor, Joseph Tomo, Rosie Garner, who does our social media, and to you, our loyal listeners, thanks for your support as always. Until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.